Welcome to Different from the Other Kids, a weekly talk show for parents of challenging children. With your host, Angela Sunis, author of the Amazon best-selling book, Different from the Other Kids. Each week, Angela will interview an individual or professional within the mental health community. Different from the Other Kids, Season 2, Production of Marketing Navy Agency. Welcome to Different from the Other Kids. I'm Angela, your podcast host. Thanks very much for tuning in. Let's start with a bang. Seven Ways 2015 Was Defined by Mental Health. Loving this article. Wanted to share it with you. Author Lindsay Holmes, the healthy living editor at the Huffington Post, shares this. Celebrities like Demi Lovato and Carrie Fisher have been outspoken about mental illness for years and continued their legacy of being mental health advocates in 2015. Other public figures also began to use their platform to fight stigma this year. Teen Wolf star Colton Haynes tweeted messages of support for his fans who may be experiencing anxiety, a condition he revealed he's dealt with since he was younger. Actress Hayden Panettiere addressed mental illness on screen and off with her portrayal of postpartum depression on the show Nashville, a condition for which she sought treatment in real life too. May I also say that Nashville is a wonderful guilty pleasure of mine. It is a fantastic break from what is real in life, and I highly recommend it on Netflix. Anyway, I digress. Our next guest is actually an extended conversation that we have had for the last two episodes. Here is a dictionary definition of Tourette's syndrome. This is something that our guest today suffers from a neurological disorder characterized by involuntary tics and vocalizations and often the compulsive utterances of obscenities. In our three-part series, In Conversation with Bobby Coven, this dictionary definition makes me laugh, not at the disorder, but at the utterance of obscenities. Because if you've ever met our next guest, chances are he has uttered obscenities, likely strung together and usually with some kind of sexual reference or at least innuendo. Bob is as raw as he is self-depreciating and funny. What you can't miss about him is his heart. He's 60 and he's been through it, all of it, in the mental health mousetrap. He is a genuine guy who feels deeply and copes with a smart mouth. This man is getting laughs about something that is otherwise hard to deal with. Bobby uses witty banter and wisecracks as cathartic therapy. Bearing your soul to an audience like that takes all different kinds of courage because he does stand-up about mental illness. Bobby's stand-up is racy. In order to ensure we don't hit an uncomfortable nerve, I haven't posted any of Bob's stand-up here, but I do encourage anyone inclined to go to his webpage and watch his video. I got a great charge out of it. I think the guy's very funny, he's very fast, and he's just a really great guy. Go to crazyafterallthesyears.com, crazy with a K. Let's drop back in on our conversation with Bob Coven. Okay, well... Very, very funny. Well, where I see that going is as a motivational speaker using humor, not necessarily stand-up comedy, but using humor to make it interesting but yet informative. You know, I plan on adding, hopefully, this podcast to it. Yeah. Any of the articles, 
that I do, and you know, I'm willing to do public speaking. Well, uh, you've mentioned public speaking before. You've done public speaking in this genre, like within within the confines of mental health. Have you? No, it, the genre was as I was an expert in the wireless business. Okay. <clears throat> so I did a lot of public speaking in that area, and I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. But uh, if the sick kids or Sunnybrook or uh, KMH are trying to bring awareness or have a charity event, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to speak. <laughs> you know, I did approach. Uh, Let's Talk from Bell, but that program has become too big. Okay. And, you know, I feel quite strongly that the average person doesn't need to know that Michael Landsberg or Clara Hughes has depression, just that the average person Mm -hmm. you can relate to. That's what I found when I went to this group, Mm -hmm. that these were average people. I mean, you know, I didn't even know what ODSP was or whatever. I think it's... uh, I tell you, disability program. Yes. And one of them said, listen, I don't need a boyfriend. I get by ODSP every day. <laughs> so, you know, these are people that, uh, you know, are struggling. Yes. And I think that, you know, they know that there's other people like myself that are struggling, that are willing to, to share. And, and honestly, you know, one of the things about this, Angela, is, is that I'm quite willing to talk about it. My bathroom issues and my... Uh, well, there's somebody, there's somebody actually in, in the first book here that actually talks about anxiety uh, and her, her difficulty in the bathroom and then talks about she's actually done a lot of holistic stuff with her anxiety and she's done big believer in essential oils and stuff like that. Uh, but she was very brave as well and came forward to talk about it. And that's not an uncommon thing, as I understand it. I've got somebody else that just interviewed a mom who talks about her son and he's got some challenges. And the bathroom issue, it's a real problem and it, it's a significant issue in in everyone's day when that's what it is that you're facing it, it is something that i wish we would talk about more because so many people seem to suffer from that also, also the other area that i don't like talking about because it makes me nervous but is being a hypochondriac oh <laughs> you know every every time i hear of somebody having cancer oh. you know i get it really okay <laughs> all these things are difficult especially again let's you know I don't want to be all over the place, but it's about relationships. I mean, you know, if you're dealing with a child that has some of these issues, and don't forget, mine didn't really rear itself until I was 11, and I really didn't find out uh, until I was 22 that I had it. So, you know, one of my favorite movies is Arthur. That's a fantastic movie. That's one of my favorites. It's my favorite. I watch it. Twice you can, a, a tell, you can tell we're old. <laughs> Arthur's our favorite movie. <laughs> well, there's good things on the other. That's the other thing my father says. And my father's quite uh, accomplished. He's an author. He's a doctor. He's a uh, piano player. He's a professor. So he's quite accomplished. He says, I can't believe that if the world operated in the key of C, you'd be a genius. And he also says, I can't believe I have a son that quotes Arthur. <laughs> but, do you uh, quote Arthur? Oh, I love Arthur. I mean, when he's with the hooker, <laughs> he says to me, you're a hooker? She says, yeah. He says, tell me about yourself. She says, well, at five, my father raped me. And at 12, my uncle raped me as well. And Arthur says, well, you've had relatively good seven years. <laughs> so it's the same thing with my Tourette's, you know. That's 11 years mm-hmm. between the time that I was twitching and the time that somebody figured it out. Mm-hmm. Seven years I couldn't get... And you get, come from a medical background. <laughs> seven years I couldn't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Like, we do not have that kind of time right. to waste and so Agreed. this is all about shortening 
the journey. Absolutely. And that's my mission, and I think that that might be your mission, is, is that it's going to be a journey. <coughs> there isn't a magic pill. It's going to take some time, but you know what? Instead of it being seven years, right. maybe it can be three years. Exactly. There's always ice. I end, this, I end the first book with a whole thing about what if. And that's all it is, is what if. What if you can come down off some medication? What if you can actually learn to live your life in a bigger way? What if you didn't feel so restricted from from your life that, that you could do whatever you wanted to do? What if you could get on those planes whenever you wanted to do it? What if, what if, what if, what if? And it's just expanding it and making the dark parts, as you say, shorter. It absolutely is all about that. And this sharing, is that's why the sharing is so important. People don't really understand the uh, importance of it and the, the power of it. I think the sharing, as long as you can share, you can get people on board to understand what somebody else's journey is, then you know what, there might be a parent here that's going to turn around and say, you know what, just like Christina's psychiatrist, by the way, his big thing, he talked about that he had a lot of anxiety when he was in medical school, and his family, he came from a family of people that were affected by anxiety, and he used to run as well. So this is the second time now that maybe my daughter, say for instance, has heard this message about running specifically, and maybe the running, she decides tomorrow she's going to go out and, and try running. And what if, what if another kid tried to, tried to run? What if somebody else picks up Tai Chi? I don't care what it is because we all present differently and everyone has their own crap. But if you can give, as you say, as many different things in your toolbox, if you can present them and if people can try them, you know what, it's, all, it's quality of life. That's all we're looking for is a little bit of quality of life and, and shorten those, those dark room periods, as you say, or what other people call the black hole. Well... I think that uh, it's important to go one step further and say the reason you need to run is because you have an energy issue. Okay. And that energy issue can be either good or bad. Mm -hmm. Do you know how the computer works? It's called the binary system. Okay. Zero or ones. That's how they make all these decisions. Zero, one, zero, one, zero, one. So this is all about <laughs> zero, one, two, energy. And if you can identify that you have this energy and you can find something that works. Now, it might not be running. People might... Right. No, exactly. I'm just it using could be that walking. Example. It could, could be, be yoga. Yeah. It could be stretching. Yeah. But you've got to become cognizant or aware of what your energy is. Now, a kid can become aware of that, so the parent has to become mm -hmm. aware of that. A teenager cannot become necessarily aware of that, and at that time, his influencers are not so much his parents, but it's his peer groups or his teachers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these teachers are not capable of identifying this. When they get into their 20s, then they have a little bit more insight into what they're all about. But, you know, they need to learn how to identify this energy uh, that they have. I had another thought, but I forget what it was. Okay. So in talking to parents specifically... From you being a kid that was always a little bit more gregarious than most, that was always a, had a lot of energy. Speak to the parents just for a second. How would you guide them? Well, I would not rely on this teacher or the school to be the identifier. You know, I think that this is something that a professional can diagnose, but. You know, I'm a firm believer that if a marriage counselor has but not been divorced, they shouldn't be a marriage counselor. Mm. And if a professional has not been depressed, they shouldn't be a professional mm -hmm. at, at that thing. So it's a matter of finding the right person 
But no kid wants to go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist. And on it's a hard, they're, they're hard to get in touch with these days as well. And a good one. It's mm -hmm. like the same yeah. thing, you know? So I would suggest to parents that, you know, they learn to identify when there's positive energy, when there's negative energy. When there's positive energy, expend it for them. However you're going to do it, you know, walk with them, do some exercise with them, <coughs> take them places, do whatever. And when they're negative, be compassionate to your, to them. You know, that's one of the things that you have to do to yourself is you have to be, you know, you have to love yourself. You have to be compassionate. Take care of yourself. It's not something that, you know, take care of them. Let them understand it's all right for them to have negative energy. You know, maybe that they don't want to, you know, do this test or they don't want to do this or they don't want to go there. But it's not normal behavior. Just, you know, be compassionate. Mm -hmm. Be soft. Because it will go away. Mm -hmm. It doesn't last forever. No. Yeah. If you find a kid in a dark place, your child goes into a bit of a dark room and um, you're trying to get them out of there. I know for me it was a whole bunch of stuff. I tried. I would go and do and be just about anything. I'd sit in the room for hours at a time. Uh, there might be a little bit of reading. I might offer a manicure. I might say, okay, going for a walk was always always a thing. Going out, I just try and say, you know what, just come with me. I need a hand. It wouldn't matter what it was, and I didn't. I would just try and get that person a little bit more engaged, uh, Christina specifically, to try and get her engaged in things. Because once you get there, it's really hard, and you, you, you don't have the energy, and you don't have the mental wherewithal to be able to figure it out. Did you think it was behavioral for her, or did you think it was mental? Oh, no, I believed it was mental. Um, the worst of her depression, of course, happened around the time of my divorce. Uh, she had gone through different depressive periods all the way up until that point. But the worst of it was absolutely probably a year after, I would say. She went through a period, it was probably five weeks, maybe six. I had a really difficult time getting her out of bed. So what tools did you have? That, that's what I'm just saying. It was, it was all of those things. It was just trying to get her engaged. But what tools did you have? All those things that you tried. Yeah, yeah. And I, just try, and I I'd sit in bed with her. Some nights I would sleep with her so that she didn't feel all by herself. Just tried to keep her engaged in whatever, uh, you know, come on outside, whatever I happened to be doing, if it was barbecuing or whatever. But it was, it was a struggle. It was a struggle for her to actually cross that, that threshold because she didn't want to leave the room. And which one worked? All of them at different times. Which one worked and best? It, it was, it, I think the one that was probably the most compassionate, I don't know, I'm going to ask her, probably the most compassionate one was just sitting. Just sitting, okay. Just sitting. was just enough for her to not feel so by herself, so isolated, that it was never going to get any better. And I think that's that, what you described. I think that was probably the most compassionate, hardest thing for the other person on the other end to do, sit. is just to sit. And just to be just to be part of it, and then you know she would cry, and I try and talk her through it. But on the other end, of course, it gets very exhausting as well, because this poor person that's going through this never seems to get any better, and it just. But you, it's it's one of those things. It's a stick to itiveness thing that you just have. You have to know as a parent as well that it's going to get better. What that there will be better days. What, now, do you have siblings or aunts or uncles or support systems that uh, she can relate to? Like every kid relates specifically that there's a favorite aunt or there's mm. a favorite friend or there's a favorite kid well during during the worst of that period yeah. of time there was who was there she's got a, she had a she's got a great therapist she would actually come and do house calls when she was in the worst states uh, that she was in and she was always a great support christina could get in touch with her by text or or whatever i think that was very helpful 
knowing that that person was just in the background, that person also was amazing with me as a parent because I could actually throw into kind of a um, uh, into a text or an email. That was kind of therapy for me. But what if it wasn't a professor? Was there not somebody else in the BAST or in, in, in her cast, Christine's Amazing Support Team? Yes, <laughs> you know, not at that oh, time. Okay, well. Not at that time. There was me, yeah. and then I had my mom was alive at the time. My mom was excellent support to me specifically and was great support to Christina in that she would very stoically be there. She would show up. She would sit in the kitchen and she would know where we were. She would be a little bit of company for me. And Christina was never judged by my mother. Christina was always, she was always given a lot of compassion by my mother. Starting to cry. It's all right. Don't cry. I'll tell you a joke. Okay. Okay. My mom, my mom just died about a year and a half ago. Uh. And sorry. Talking right. about this. Um, I was afraid I was going to cry. Yeah, no. Um, my, my mom is so greatly missed by my daughter and I specifically. I think by everyone, of course, but, and it was, yeah, it was, she was a great, great support. And the only one that was there for quite a few years. Well, my advice to parents would be that they have to reach out and make the support system bigger. Yeah, agreed. I was not talking to anybody. That was part of my. Well, no, that's the whole issue. You and know? I was, but I was also told by other people that were close to both of us that this wasn't to be talked about, and that this, this well, wasn't wrong. a big deal, and there's no such thing as mental illness, and there's only such thing as laziness, and there's nothing wrong with the kid. So I, that's, I got a lot of that. So there wasn't a lot of, uh, there wasn't a well, lot of sharing. That, it shut me up pretty good. Well, that's why you and I are doing this, so that people, exactly. people understand. You. But you know what? It doesn't always have to be a professional because they're busy and it's great that you can text them. But you oh, know and I'm what? lucky to have them financially too. A lot of people can't afford to have. Well, that aside either. from that, there could be, there could be a teacher, there yeah. could be a relative, there could be a friend that they do something with. It could be a friend's parent. Yeah. There's lots of people that are willing to reach out. But another point that's very interesting, which I found very discouraging, but it's just the reality of the situation, is I had some very good friends maybe three. One, I moved here specifically when I came to Toronto. I mean, you can see where I live. I came from a 3,000 square foot home on a river to this two-bedroom apartment. But I moved close to be with to them, and they have, are not my friends anymore oh, because no. they can't support me. And why can't they support me? Well, there's all different reasons. They could be selfish. They could have had mental illness in their... Mm -hmm family and, and, and they don't want to... They'll do anything to cover it. To, anything to cover it. Or be part of it. Or they could it. not handle the negativity. So that was very discouraging to me, but I realized <laughs> that, uh, you know, shit like this just happens. Yeah. And, you know, the more and more you talk to people throughout this whole thing, they'll say, yeah, that, that happened to me too. <laughs> so the thing is, is that, you know, as my friend said, you got to have a professional, and you know, it's not always the first professional that's going to be good. I've had some very bad professionals. Okay. you got to have a support system, and you got to actively cultivate it so that you can find people. Because the more people that you have, because this is very hard on a spouse or a parent, oh, yeah. and so they need to deflect it, mm -hmm. and you need to have tools. And uh, whatever those tools are is um, something that, uh, and you need to understand practice. And, you know, I don't think kids can do any of these things, but the parent has to do all of this for their kids. It's a lot of the leading. The teenager, 
the teenager, well, that's a little bit different, <clears throat> you know. <laughs> but, uh, and then the young adults, of course, is even different. Even again, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about um, pot usage. I know from talking to parents uh, through the book and the podcast that it's heard both ways, that pot has helped and pot has hindered. And I've also heard overwhelmingly, and I, have, I believe that this is uh, possible um, and probably quite true in many cases, is that if a kid is, has some chemical differences in their brain as a young uh, person under the age of what I think what they're saying now is 25, and they get introduced to pot, uh, and they, their brains are wired so that they have a propensity, more of a propensity than others, to uh, be psychotic. It can actually spur on a psychotic break. And I've had a couple parents talk about it in, in, the, in the podcast and in the book, and I believe that that's probably quite possible. Um, a lot of these kids are going through this, I think, during this period of time because they may be introduced to pot in brains that perhaps they shouldn't be doing pot probably until they're well over 25. Talk to me a little bit about because you, you brought that up earlier and you were very open about it. As so a kid, I've been self-medicating yeah. since I was 15. But did you ever, did it, but it worked for you or was it just fun for you or did it give you a break so that you didn't have to put that wall up all the time? How did, how, what did well, that make you feel like as a kid? How did, how did it make you well, feel? Well, in my routine, I said I was self-medicating since I was 15. For my 16th birthday, I got a long and my hockey team was sponsored by zigzag rolling <laughs> so uh is that true no none of it's true <laughs> thank you i was going to say oh my god what a great logo on the back of a hockey jersey zigzag. actually nothing i've said is true i'm just i'm just <laughs> no, enjoying talking to you because you're so beautiful <laughs> speak to me really zigzag? well no no so thank what you. happened I'm so, I'm so what happened was is that uh well there's a, a couple of interesting things first thing if I had been medicated as a child mm -hmm. with Halidol or Ritalin or something, I would not be here with you as the adult that I am. I would have, I probably would have been a doctor or a lawyer or a professional because I probably could have sat still and been scholastically. But and I wouldn't have the personality that I have right now mm. because I would have been like when I was on my heavy meds, you know, I didn't ski, I didn't fly fish, I didn't tell jokes, I didn't do any of those things. <clears throat> so that's number one for parents. It's a little off topic, but no, it's great. important that the kids try everything other than being medicated. And you can be medicated mildly as, as something that just helps you, I think. But it's, so, so, that's, so that's number one. Number two is, is that the problem with this whole medical marijuana, or marijuana in general, <laughs> is is that it's just like going and bought at the liquor store, and if you're only supposed to have light alcohol and you end up buying tequila, so with the with the marijuana that's on the street, you don't know how strong it is, you don't know if it was grown hydroponically, you don't know if they put pig tranquilizers in it, and it definitely can stimulate anxiety mm -hmm. and it's a very bad experience because it's very strong the medical marijuana if you get on it they seem to think they know so they can control the amount of THC or the amount of cannabis because they use medical marijuana for either treatment of anxiety depression or they use it for pain it's a it's a bad thing unless it's to it's totally under the supervision of somebody that knows and like I just told you, these doctors, these two psychiatrists that I had didn't know. They ended up giving me the wrong doses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
But what did it make you feel like? Did it give you a break? Like, did you? Why did you gravitate towards the marijuana more than the pharmaceuticals? What did it make you feel like that? Which one? That the, what, the, just the, recently? No, no. The um, the, oh, when, the I was pot, a kid. when you were pot smoking when you were a kid. Well, there was no pharmaceuticals when I was a kid. I'm, oh, just, I'm okay. talking about the pharmaceuticals when I developed. Right. The cough, they put me on, right. on, on, on these drugs. Right. So I ended up uh, doing uh, all kinds of drugs because I was just a product of the 70s. I think, it, you know, it made me wilder and I expended my energies. But oh. It wasn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have done it, you know. Uh, but I did it because I didn't know anything about it. But it did stop doing it uh, when it would make me paranoid. And stuff like that. You know, I don't know the answer to it. It's just, uh, I don't know if it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So pot didn't actually mellow you out, or did it, ma- did it matter the kind of pot? It, it actually mattered, spun, it you, the spun you into it, <laughs> yeah. being able to, uh, ener- it was energizing for you. Yeah, it mattered the kind of pot. It's a different world now, because mm-hmm. now they're trying to legalize it. They're trying to understand it, uh, its components. They're trying to understand its medicinal capabilities. And it might be good... For some kids, I mean, the Tourette doctors say that it's good for, for twitchers and stuff, but I forgot to say, but the interesting thing about my Tourette doctor, and it shows you about how bad the system is, is, is that when I called him back, I couldn't get an appointment. He wasn't there anymore. He was at the sick kids. I said, well, are they replacing you? He said, no, we're having a hard time finding anybody because nobody wants to treat Tourette's in adolescents or adults. They all want to treat them in kids. So it's a really busted system. Now, why would that be? I have no idea. Because oftentimes it just, it only it only presents when it presents. I don't know. It's I mean, it's not it's not it's, it's not it's not like they present you present when you're a kid necessarily. Sometimes you present a lot later. It's how busted the system is. Unbelievable. You know, it it it's very busted. I mean, we talked about how long it took me to get into KMH. Yeah. We talked about bad psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, taking the wrong path to this Homewood, which would have been wrong. Uh, I still don't get the Homewood path. I don't know why they would have been w- sending you there. Because they were from Collingwood and they didn't really know anything about it. That was because it would have been a 30-day intensive period where mm-hmm. I would have. Uh, well, your disclaimer on your podcast is that I'm not a doctor. Yes. And I think that's very important for us to explore because we're not doctors. Not one bit. And we are just uh, people that uh, have ex- yeah. have experience and. Uh, I try to help people all the time, and so that's why we're doing this. Yeah, no, exactly. So I don't know the answer to the marijuana. Okay, I just didn't know how it made you how how it made you feel if it was like as I say an escape or whether it was an opportunity to get uh, high and energized or so. What you're saying is it all depends. It's a long time ago. And 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 it all depends. It all depends for you. Because I'm 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 asking because there's a lot of parents that have a lot of kids that are they would be they'd be adolescents. And then getting exposed to pot, and pot seems to be a lot uh, in great use these days, and much wider use than even when we were younger. And it, it, there's a lot of parents that are dealing with this now and having kids doing things that they normally wouldn't do. And I, I agree with you. I think perhaps the pot is, has been played with a lot, and there might be some uh, some other things that it's, it's been cut with, if you will. I don't know if that's the right terminology, but it's... It's being grown in it's a way that's not cut. It's, it, not it, cut. It, it's grown hydroponically, and they put stuff right. into They put stuff into, into it, the water. It. Okay, into the water. So okay. I can't give you a comp. I do not think it was a good thing for me to do when I was in my teens. Okay. I think it just it added to my my craziness. You know, I, I mean, I guess I just wanted to be cool. You know, I I didn't get bullied very much. 
Well, probably because you sense the humor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I was quick to make mm-hmm. sure that you know if somebody started, I would get I would get at them. You know, come back and uh, I could stop them. You know, I had an interesting thing happen to me just last week. I was at a party. I had my mental health thing, and there was this woman telling me about my Tourette's, and that I don't know what I'm talking about. Really? And I, I look, love those guys. I looked at her and I, I said, "Hey, when they talk to me, you have a period. You own it." She says, "Well, I don't really anymore. I'm, I have. Uh, I'm on menopause." I said, "Well, when you did, <laughs> I didn't." A period t- like menti. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I didn't ahead. tell you about your period. You don't tell me about my Tourette's. <laughs> How did that go over? Well, it went. And then she started looking at my my video. Uh-huh. And she was making comments and making comments, and about a minute into it, she totally went silent and watched. And at the end of it, she says, "You know, I've learned something." So. Oh, know, that's that's wonderful of somebody to turn around and 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 I love that when somebody can turn around and say, "You know what? I learned something today." So I think that these this work that we're doing mm-hmm. is very good because it's a guideline for people. It's. There's so many permutations, mm-hmm. uh, and they just need to talk to people that have gone through this thing exactly. so, that, so that they can offer a little advice. And I'd be willing to talk to anybody, but as a person that has been through it, not as a, per, not as a professional. No, oh, obviously, always, yeah. And I get a lot of, that's very confusing for people, I think. Um, I do have people often ask me, so do you... When you talk to people, are you giving them advice? Like, what are you doing? Oh, dear me, no. no. It's just, this is just to have a conversation. And just because I happen to, I might have heard something or I might have read about something because it's something that I'm interested in or that I've read it in the past as a result of, of having dealt with it as a parent, you end up knowing a little bit more than other people. And I guess you come across like you might know something. Please don't ever confuse it, anybody that's on the other end of this podcast. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I have no training whatsoever other than to have experienced it. And I think that's what you're trying to say. I'm trying to say, and I'm trying to say that this is a tool right. that a parent can put in their box. Right. They can listen from it. They can take from it what they want. They can discard what they don't want. If they learn one thing out of it, whether it's identifying energy, whether mm-hmm. it's identifying a dark room mm-hmm. where it's finding a resource that you can call somebody that's willing to talk about it, that's intelligent. Mm-hmm. That's what why we're doing this. Absolutely. Bobby, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You've spent a lot of time with me, and it has been a great pleasure of mine. And it's been a great pleasure to get to know you better, too. We actually we met at a bar. At, <laughs> it's very cliche. Met at a bar, but we did. We met at a friend's party that happened to be at a bar, and uh, it's it's a great pleasure to get to know you. Well, it's great to have something in common with such a beauty. Oh, you're delightful. Thank you. Sweet. Thank you so much. Okay, Bobby, give give me one more time. Give me that website that you have that you're starting to develop. Crazy. Yes. After all these years with a K. With a K. Fantastic. Dot com. Okay. Thanks a lot, parents, for tuning in. Stay amazing. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Please review our podcast on iTunes. This will help us spread our message and reach all those who need some support. Don't forget to follow Different From The Other Kids on Facebook and Twitter. Different From The Other Kids, Season 2, production of Marketing Maven Agency. And now a disclaimer. In general, I, Angela Sunis, am not a doctor, and I certainly don't play one on the internet. I'm a parent, period. 
The advice from me presented on different from the other kids does not replace advice received directly from a medical health professional. If you think you need help, I do recommend making an appointment with your physician or other appropriate health care provider. Thanks for listening to Different from the Other Kids, made possible with the support of Burlington Fitness and Racket Club. Why go to a gym when you can be part of a club? You can find them online at www.burlingtonfitness.ca. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.